Welcome to His Church Owensboro Podcast. We are so excited about what God is doing in your life, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at hischurch.cc and let us know about all of the things that God is doing in your life. If you have been blessed by this podcast and would consider supporting us financially, please visit hischurch.cc and click on Give to see the many options available. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message blesses you. Good to see you. Welcome. Welcome to church. Why don't you turn to your neighbor, tell them this, say you look like you've lost 20 pounds. Tell them that, even if you have to lie to them. Brian just walked up to me and said, is today Valentine's Day? (laughs) That's why I'm teaching on relationships this morning. He's an expert. Uh, I'm an expert. Get all all your information from me. (laughs) I I did have flowers and candy and all that stuff in the house this morning. I have to admit, I did it. And for those men out there that don't know it's Valentine's Day yet, this is Valentine's Day. It's Valentine's Day. You better do something about this quickly. Can I get an amen out there? Amen. We want to welcome everybody. Our Texas campuses are closed today due to inclement weather. But everybody's joining from home. So will you guys join us in welcoming big time our Dumas and Amarillo campuses today? What's up? Henderson is in the house right there. Come on, Henderson. You can give your own self a hand clap. You know how you do it. And we want to welcome everybody today right here in Owensboro. Way to make it through all of that cold wind. I'm telling you, it was just treacherous, wasn't it? But we all got to God's house, and um, we're excited to be here with you this morning. Yeah, why don't you take a moment and welcome the AP and Right Wing Watch and the New York Times and all of those guys that watch us every weekend, too. Y'all give them a hand clap. We're going to help your marriage right now. It's going, it's, going to be, it's going to be incredible. And if you don't mind, because so many of our campuses are shut down and people are staying home uh, a lot of different places, I appreciate the Green Berets that are in the room right now. But if you don't mind, if you'll take a, go to Facebook or whatever you use, YouTube, yes. and share this service. If you would share it right now, get it out there. A lot of people are bundled up at the house, and we want to get this message to them. Uh, the, the message of Relationship Playbook. Uh, we started teaching and talking last week. We'll do a quick catch you up. But, but here's what we believe. We believe that relationships affect everything. A relationship affects everything. Now, the Bible says this, the steps of a righteous man or a righteous woman are ordered of the Lord. But it also says in the original language, that could be translated, the relationships of a righteous man or a righteous woman are ordered of the Lord. God wants to order your relationships. He wants you with the right people at the right place at the right time. And relationships matter. They're massive. The Bible says he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. How many of you have ever taken a time of your life and you've ran around with a fool at some point in your life? Let me see your hand out there. Your life started trending downward. Can I get an amen? <laughs> How many of you were the fool that someone yeah, ran some around with? Some of us, I was the fool. I was the primary <laughs> fool. Yeah, I remember my mother saying, uh, quit running around with those kids. They're a bad influence. What she didn't know is I was the bad influence. I was the ringleader, right? I was the fool. So I got born again, changed my life. But who you hang out with, who you run with, and the spirit of the crowd you keep, it begins to create your life. And there's nowhere that that's more true than in the midst of your family. Now, you can't pick your siblings, you can't pick your mom or your dad, but you can pick your spouse. 
And if you already picked them, I'm sorry, you're stuck with them now. But if you haven't picked one yet, we say you better pick wisely because family, it affects everything, doesn't it, Jesse? It really is true. And if you're single in here, I just want to give you an encouragement. A lot of times we say this to young singles, and um, single people are like, oh, give me information, give me information. I want to do this right. I want to make it right. I want for my life to be good. Um, but then how many of you have ever found yourself in the middle of life having a different situation and having to find a new spouse, but you're older. And somehow it feels to people like it's not the same thing. Like they don't have to dig in nearly as deep. Like they're kind of good at it. But the problem is what we find over and over and over as pastors is that people tend to marry the exact same guy with a different name and a different color truck. And they think that they've married this amazing person when all the while all of us looking around are going, wow, she's she's marrying or he's marrying the exact same, same human person. being that destroyed their life not more than nine months ago. And they're so excited about this new person, but they can't hear with their ears anything that people that love them say about this person because with their physical body, they have already attached themselves to them. So then they have an emotional connection, a physical connection, Everything gets blurry once you start kissing on somebody. Say that again. Everything gets blurry once you start kissing on somebody. Say that again. Everything gets blurry once you start kissing on somebody. Say that again. I think, I think I'm done. <laughs> All right. But I will say this, that whenever you enter into a physical relationship with someone, it's proven statistically that the longer you look at someone, the more attractive they become. That makes a lot of sense, because how many of you have ever seen the men that women are married to? The longer that, it's true though, the longer that we look at someone, the more attractive they become. That's why you look and say, how did he get her? Well, she looked at him long enough. He was good at showing up. He was on her doorstep. He came to her work and brought her something to drink. He left her a note. He, I mean, Scott in the back and knows. Right there. There's proof in the back. It's Scott. Stewart, what right what happened, right? So these beautiful women, and, and listen, people are not just what they are on the outside, but the longer that you hang out with someone, the easier it is. We call it being so close that you can't see what's wrong. Sometimes people get so close to you that you can't see the filth and the ugliness on the inside of them. So it's really important that you let people date your people. You say, what does that mean? Let the people that are around you, that are coming around you, be around the people that you love the most, that you know are good people, that you've known for years, that have good wisdom when it comes to good people versus bad people, healthy people versus toxic people. And if you're not willing to present them to that group of people and let them be around them, something is already wrong. And it's really important that we pay attention before we get into the marriage because then you're in the marriage and you're all alone with them. And there's nothing that anyone can do while you're alone with them. So I wanna encourage you today, do not hang out with unwise people because you will become unwise. Amen. It is better to be single than to be married to an idiot. Amen. And all Lord's children said, amen, amen. All right, here's, uh, here, here's what we're, we're, one of the key verses we wanna take today. We'll pick up from last week, but it's Matthew chapter seven, verse 24. Matthew chapter seven, verse 24. It says this, it says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Jesus tells a parable, and he talks about a house built upon the sand. And he says, this house is sitting on the sand. The house is killer looking. I want you to imagine the most beautiful home you can come up with. It has all the best stuff on the inside of it. It's got yeah. the best granite. It's got the hot tub. It's got an infinity pool out back. It's got the big theater. It's got the pool room. It's got a shooting range for you rednecks. It's got it all, right? But it's built on the, on the sand. And here comes the waves, here comes the winds, here comes the trauma. What happens to the house on the sand? The house on the sand falls, all right? But you can take the same house, same structure, same investment, same time, same energy, same all of that, and put it on the right foundation. The foundation is the rock, and the rock isn't Jesus. The rock in this story, it's the teachings of Jesus or the words of Jesus. So how do we build a marriage? How do we build a family? How do we build anything worth having, you have to take not just this idea of Jesus, but you have to take the actual words of Jesus, what he said that we're to do, and by faith, put them into action and build our life upon the words of Jesus. And that's what we should want to do in our household. Whether you're single in your household, it ought to be built on the words of Jesus. If you're a newlywed, your household ought to be built on the words of Jesus. If you're raising kids, your household ought to be built on the word of Jesus. If you've moved on into the patriarch and matriarch stage and you're a grandparent, come on. Our houses ought to be built on the words of Jesus. If you think that's a good idea at every campus, give God a hand clap. Amen. Our house must be built upon the words of Jesus. And, and I said this last week, I want us to think, number one, obviously our houses should be built upon the word of Jesus, but what do we want the spirit or the attitude of our house to look like? talked about if you'll go into uh, Europe, several of the European cultures, I preached over there, uh, Ireland, preached in uh, Scotland, been around, been around England before, you'll see a lot of old crests, that families had crests, and most of them would have a motto on that crest, and it would be- Oh, what? Say it again? Uh, how do you say it? Motto, right? Okay, whatever. <laughs> motto, motto, tomato, tomato. They would have one of those on the crest. And it would be what they wanted the spirit of their house to look like. Yeah. So I don't think you just allow the spirit of your house to happen. By default, because of what the news says, mm -hmm. come on, what the governor said, what the neighbor said, can I get an amen? Not just gonna let the spirit of my house happen, no. I'm going to shape the spirit of my house, my marriage, my children by defining what kind of people we're going to be. And I think there's a power in defining who you're going to be from the beginning. I think it's important, too, that our whole family, including our children as they age, understand what the boundary is, that there is an actual line and a place that we intend to dwell, that we intend for our attitudes to remain in, that we intend for our spiritual walk to remain in, a space in this world that our family intends to dwell in. And if we don't have that and it's not obvious, then our children can veer out of that place. We are cattle people. And when those cattle get outside of that fence, we know it. Why? Because it's important that we know because they can get out in the highway and they can injure people and they will be injured. Not only is it a loss of life and money for us, but it can be a loss of life for someone coming down that road. I will remember early on marrying Brian and we were at a wedding. Well, growing up, I wasn't allowed to dance and I love 
love to dance. So every wedding we go to, I stay until the dance is over. I mean, I dance the entire time. It's my favorite time. I love, love, love it. And so we, we were just newly married, and this was our first wedding to go to. And I was so excited about that, that reception. And Brian looked at me and he said, gotta go. I said, what do you mean gotta go? He said, I have to go, the cows got out. And I said, so what? You don't even work in that industry anymore. He said, it's all hands on deck. The whole family has to go. We gotta get those cattle out of the road. Well, as a city girl, I didn't understand that because I didn't understand that we were putting people's lives in danger and that it was vital that we go get those cattle and bring them back into that fence because we were responsible as a family for what happened on that road outside of that fence. So I was mad at Brian and I was frustrated that I didn't get to dance that night. But then I got home and they explained to me what could happen if those cattle are out in that, in that road and it made perfect sense to me. So being new to the family, I didn't understand the concept. I think sometimes our children don't understand the concept. We don't veer outside of this fence. This is where we live. This is where our attitudes dwell. This is what we believe in. This is who we're called to be. This is where we go. This is who we hang out with. And whenever they veer outside of that, I don't know if you've ever dealt with your child veering outside the fence, but sometimes they'll just watch a TV show enough that their attitude starts going into a place that is not common to us. Whoa, 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 there's danger out there. What are you doing? What have you been watching? I'll start going through and I see what they've been watching and we have to cancel that show from our life because our attitude is over here and our family is over here. And so sometimes we have to do it in our marriage. Sometimes our marriage gets out of bounds. Sometimes our kids get out of bounds. Sometimes our life gets out of bounds and we have to redirect and say, hey, I know this is gonna mess with the fun time. I know this isn't the, the most exciting thing, but right now it's about keeping everyone alive, safe, and within exactly what God has called us to do and the boundaries that we've set up for our life. We talked last week about order and we talked about unity, being a part of those uh, of that space. Order and unity bring safety to the household. And this week we wanna start with boundaries. Boundaries bring safety to our family. They bring safety to our marriage. They bring safety to our children. They bring safety to our lives. God gave them to us not to spoil our good time. No, he didn't wanna spoil a good time. God was actually intending that we would dwell in this space so that we would have more fun than not knowing where our boundaries lie. And so today, that, that word boundaries, if you're taking notes, is gonna be the headline for one of the, one of the points of the two that we're gonna to cover today. Yeah, the boundaries are massive and boundaries keep everyone safe. As a matter of fact, there are Old Testament proverbs that talk about not moving the ancient landmarks. And what a landmark was is it was a place where one group's property started, one tribe or one family from Israel, their property started and the other one stopped. And to move the boundary would be something to break the law, the Old Testament law or the Torah, and essentially you're stealing ground. And what the devil wants to do in all of our families and all of our lives is he wants to just inch over the boundaries. And if you're not careful, boundaries in your life will begin to move. How many of y'all have ever found your boundary, something you wouldn't have done a decade ago, you caught yourself doing? Anybody been there before? Come on, there's two of us that aren't liars in the room right now. The rest of you I'm praying for. We've all done it, right? Because boundaries move if you're not intentional about keeping the boundaries. So it's strong in your marriage. Here's some strong boundaries Jesse and I have had since we got married. We got married in 2000. We'll be married... Um, 
Wow, 21 years coming up this spring. It's gonna be incredible, 21 years. I know it's hard to believe because I still look like I'm in my 20s, but I've been married for 21 years. And our boundaries are like this. Uh, we have boundaries that just make sense in a marriage. I do not have female friends. Amen. Period. Now I've got some couple friends that we're both friends with, and it's not that I won't be friendly, but it's not like I'm meeting a female somewhere for a lunch date. I'm not doing that, right? I don't get in the car with another female by myself. There's a boundary there. Why? What else am I gonna do with, a, with another female? Are we gonna become buddies and go purse shopping or something like that? I don't do that, right? Really, there, there's, there's one reason that men want to hang around women. Unless they're related, your mother, your cousin might even be a danger because you're from Kentucky, but there's one reason Men want to hang around with women, and that's because ultimately they want to sleep with them, right? Can I get an amen out there? It's just the reality of the world. So um, that's something we've had forever. Jessie's the same way. She's not going to hang out with guys. Uh, I'm not going to counsel women by myself. I'm a terrible counselor anyway. I'm a Bible preacher. You don't want counseling from me. I don't do Amen. a good job. I'm like, here's what the Word of God says, and I'll do it. What's the problem? I'll see you on Sunday morning. <laughs> um, so I just say all that to say this is th th there's this thing about boundaries, and it needs to be in our relationship. Yeah. There needs to be boundaries on what you can and can't say to one another. Yeah. Right? you got to keep the fights fair. It's got to be a weight class. There's got to be some rules. Come on out. Let's have a good, clean fight, fair fight. Uh, there has to be boundaries. Where there are no boundaries, things disintegrate in life. Yeah, and we're not of the school that no fighting should be had. I, I think everyone's voice should be allowed to be heard in, in a family setting. But then there has to be a boundary. There has to be someone who has the ultimate say. That's the leader of the home. Um, believe me, my voice is heard quite often. Um, so having someone, you know, you need to know who you're marrying and whether or not you can handle that kind of confrontation and that kind of communication and that kind of a verbal, uh, you know, that kind of, uh, if someone has a, uh, is very opinionated, then you don't need to marry them if you expect a woman to just be quiet all the time. That's going to be a problem for you. And I don't think that it's fair to take someone with one personality and try to cram them in a hole of someone else's personality. We had a friend once, notice I said we had a friend once, he um, came over to my house and he, I, I served him dinner, I made this beautiful dinner for him and his wife. His wife was so sweet and so kind, she still is to this day. She was gently spoken, everything she said was very measured. She was, she moved slowly, she moved gently. She's always just been very, very sweet. And he married her and he's kind of a monster of a man. And he is big and he's loud and he's, to be honest, very obnoxious. And he's been Brian's friend since they were very, very young. And so I invited them over for dinner because if you're Brian's friend, you're my friend and I'm gonna treat you nice. So I invited them over for dinner. I'm serving them. We start having a conversation about something that I'm passionate about. I put my two cents in. I know that shocks everybody in the room, but I put my two cents in. I told them what I thought about it and I, I let them know. And if you're gonna be our friend, you're gonna hear Brian give his two cents and you're gonna hear me give my two cents. And if you don't like that, you probably don't wanna hang out with us because that's gonna happen. And uh, we don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's not sinful. It's just how our family flows. And so the man looked across 
across the table at me after I'd served him my very best meal and been kind to him. And he said, if you would be just a little bit more like my wife, your marriage would probably be better. Well, first of all, our marriage was fine. He waited till I was out of the room to say He did wait till Brian was out of the room. Because that's the way those types always operate. Second of all, I don't know what he was talking about because everything in our house was fine. Thirdly, I knew one thing for sure and certain, Brian Gibson would have never married a girl with her personality because he's bored with her. So I was just quiet and I couldn't believe it. And Brian walked into the room as soon as it happened and he said, what did he say? And he said it again as if it wasn't bad enough the first time. And Brian said, I got news for you. If I would have wanted to marry your wife, I would have. I've known her since we were little. I didn't choose her. And then we, I, I said, I don't think he would like being married to me if I was quiet. He likes my opinion. And he said, well, that's what you think. So I continued to be nice and cordial. I put a little quinine in his, uh, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I was very kind. I was very sweet. We let them leave. We waved at them as they walked out the door. I looked at Brian. I said, you can hang out with him anytime you want, but don't you ever bring him in my house again. He's never and been he... back in the house. <laughs> he's never set foot back in my house. Do you know why? Because he's not invited. So I watched as their marriage disintegrated and ours got stronger because there was not a respect for who she was. And I think part of boundaries is respecting the person that you're married to, thinking of them and not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think, understanding that they may see something differently or say it differently, but that their opinion matters just as much as your opinion matters. But there has to be someone at the end of the day that makes the call. And everybody has to get into that frame of mind and go for it and believe in it. And I understand all of that. But trying to shut someone's personality down is crushing the spirit of the person that you're married to. And it's not the right way to treat someone. They're a human being. God made them for a reason. He made them just like they are. And I think that it's really, really important that we respect that. I tell you, uh, we, we just are very strict about these things. I, it's hard because we're professionals. We fly in places. People pick us up. I've actually had people pick me up before at the airport and it just be a man and me just have to say to them, I'm so sorry, I'm going to have to grab an Uber because I don't ride with men alone. And they'll be like, but I came from the church to pick you up. And I'm like, I appreciate it. It's very kind of you, but I can't get in the car with you because this isn't how we do business. Uh, we t try to tell them ahead of time so that they're prepared for that. But even if it makes it awkward, even if you don't make your appointment on time, even if everything is harder, even if everything is more complicated, it is worth doing things the right way ahead of time so that you do not find yourself in a position of weakness whenever the temptation finds its that's, way to you. And the temptation will find its way to always. you. Always. That, that's good, Jess. I, I think about boundaries uh, for, for people married. I think about having strong boundaries for people that are dating. Come on, married people yes. all to act married and single people all to act Absolutely. single. Can I get an amen out there? We have a culture that's totally confused that and everybody's moved in, everybody's this, everybody's that. If you're not married to somebody, you just should not be living with them. You should not be sleeping with them. You are not yep. a dog, you are a human. Control yourself. Can I get an amen out there? Amen. You can control yourself. If you can't control yourself, get married. 
it's better to marry than to burn with lust is what the Bible says. So uh, a lot of guys won't say stuff like that anymore. I will. That's why I keep getting banned on Facebook. But I don't care uh, because I'm going to teach the Bible. So boundaries are strong for people in a marriage relationship, also strong for our children. How many of y'all believe some American kids need some boundaries again in this great nation? Do we need some boundaries again? <laughs> Where there's some rules, there's some laws, there's some regulation. In my house, there were, there were boundaries. Like, that there were things I could and could not do. And if I got out of line, I would feel the wrath of my father. Could not speak disrespectful to my mother, right? Could not speak disrespectful to my father. Now, I, I partied hard when I was a kid. I shouldn't have. Uh, my dad was kind of a partier before he got born again. He got born again seven years before he died. And my model was, okay, we work hard and we can play hard. But you couldn't play hard in mom's house. You had to go somewhere else because there was a boundary. You don't do that in your mother's house. And then, and then uh, some people will think, because they hear my testimony coming off of drugs, that I was disrespectful to my family. That was never the case. I showed up with a yes, sir, yes, ma'am. I went to work. I made my stuff on time. I did have a massive addiction problem, but, but I'll tell you, there, there were boundaries, and, and I watch kids now. I even think about this. I had a cousin I grew up with, we're close to the same age. He would throw the craziest fits in the earth. I'm talking about a Chernobyl meltdown, right, in the midst of the, of the restaurant, right? Melting, falling apart, screaming, hitting the ground, throwing things, and his mother would do nothing about it. She would say things like, you just got to let him get it out. My father's like, I'll help him get it out. I'll show you how to get that out of him right now. I can teach you how to get that out. And um, he got those things out of us. They never got it out of my cousin. Yeah. My cousin, we're the same age. He spent the majority of his adult life in the penitentiary now because if you don't put boundaries or borders around a kid, the penal institute will put boundaries and borders around a kid for you. Come on church, his church, we ought to raise classy kids, we ought to raise respectful kids, we ought to raise kids with boundaries, come on. We ought to raise gentlemen and ladies in our house. That's what I want in our house. Absolutely, and I wanna to talk to you, some of you parents of toddlers. Um, we've gone through this season, I remember and I honestly regret how many times I apologized for a one-year-old, because how many of you know one-year-olds are one? And I, tr I was apologizing nonstop, just trying to, because we were always in public. My children were always in public, they weren't at home. But how many of you know if you're at home, you can train kids how we act at the table, how we act, while they're still in that stage where they are still gaining control of their own body, their own mind, their own voice. Uh, how many of you have gone through I'm stage? I'm still in that change, I know. Stage. How many of you people have uh, gone through a stage where a toddler screams out loud? Anybody oh, yeah. in the room? Okay, I learned from a friend there is a remedy for that. I'll tell you after the service. <laughs> um, but I actually have watched, and parents, I'm not asking you to apologize for a toddler, but we need to remember that there are some people that only go out to dinner once a month, and they go out and it's a big deal for them, and they're there to have a nice meal. And it's our job as parents to teach those kids to be respectful of other people's space and time and financial ability. 
And so as we look at toddlers, we don't need to spank them or discipline them necessarily in that situation, but it is our job to inconvenience ourselves. We chose to have those children. And so it's our job as parents to pick them up and to take them outside until they can calm down and get themselves together. And I know that that's exhausting and you're already exhausted. I know that you're at the meal because you want to get away from your house because you've been stuck there. I have been there. I had three kids in five years, but it's really, really important. Grandparents, if you're out to eat with your kids and they have those toddlers with them, give them a break. Pick that child up and take it outside and play with it for a minute and let those parents enjoy warm food for the first time in six months. I mean, really try to help them. But it is our job to teach our children, you are not the only person on the earth and you cannot affect the entire environment because you decided to have a fit right now. And the way that we do that is by picking them up and removing them from the situation that they're obviously not old enough to handle. And so I just wanna encourage you in that. I know it sounds a a little uh, crazy in our society because people just let their kids roll on the floor and scream and do whatever they wanna do, but that is not a Christian believer's stance on that issue. We are called to be respectful, to think of other people before ourselves, to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. So if you see any of my children screaming in a restaurant, don't judge me. Come get them and take them outside to play. Okay. I need help in this life. And so do you. Uh, We can all do this together. I want to say this, as we have more digital influence, we must gain more digital boundaries. And as we have our teenagers with these phones in their hand every single day, if your teenager is allowed to have a phone, What we have allowed is for an outside influence to come in and affect them in every way, shape, form, and fashion. If you're allowing social media, if you're allowing the internet, whatever it is that your family has chosen is okay, we have to be very, very careful. We have to go to people that understand what these are. Do you know that your child can look like they have no apps on their phone and they can be apps hidden behind apps that they can actually access and do whatever they want to? And they're smarter than us digitally. When we were growing up, Every friend we had had to go through our mom and dad. Why? Because we had a landline. That's right, kids, a landline. You had to actually dial the phone. And everyone in the house could hear your conversation if they picked up the other line. I had boys that would call my house and ask to talk to me, and my dad would say, no, thank you, and hang up the phone. My dad was the gateway to get to talk to me, but now you've got young ladies who boys call them, and they can just get it. Oh, but wait, you have young ladies that are calling young men. And this is not the Christian faith that we stand in. Tell them what happened when you called my house once, Jess. I honestly was engaged to Brian Gibson. Engaged. Dedicated to marry him. He went away for Christmas break. And I called his house because he had called my house. He called my house and my parents told me that Brian had called while I was out. So I returned his phone call to his parents' house. When I returned the phone call, I said, yes, Mrs. Gibson, because that's what I referred to Brian's mom as. Yes, if someone does not call you Mrs. So-and-so, don't let them talk to your kids. He said, yes, Mrs. Gibson. Uh, I'm calling to talk to Brian. Is he available? She said, excuse me, who is this? Like she didn't know. I said, this is Jesse, your son's fiance. She said, why are you calling my son on the phone? I said, ma'am, he called me first. I'm returning his phone call. She said, oh, 
oh, good to hear from you, Jesse. One second, I'll go get him. And she went and got him. But if I had been calling him without him first calling me as a young lady, she would have hung up the phone and never thought twice about it. Now, I'm telling you that seems old school, but I think it needs to become new school. I think there needs to be a gateway to our kids' hearts. I think there needs to be a gateway to our kids' minds. I think there needs to be a gateway to our kids' ears. And guess what that gateway is? Parents. I think we need to engage and parent our children again and not let them do whatever they want. At a certain time at night, if your child has that phone, that phone needs to come to your room and be plugged in until the next day. They do not need to have an all-night access to anybody that they want to talk to. That computer, it needs to be brought into your care until the next morning when you can watch that thing. If you have a computer in your son or daughter's room alone and they can shut the door, you already have a pornographic problem in your household. Because the devil comes seeking whom he may devour and he is looking for a more opportune time and you say my kid's a great kid every great kid has temptation the devil is looking to take a great kid and pull them out of being a great kid into a destroyed kid and if we stand by and don't put up boundaries we allow it to happen as parents. So it's really important that we take our stance. Well, I watched it with something as innocent as video games. Absolutely. Have any of you parents had discipline issues with any video games in your household? I'm talking, what's the one uh, shooter game? Fortnite, right? Fortnite. We started playing Fortnite because some of uh, uh, the friends at church were playing Fortnite and because whatnot. Because somebody thought it was a good idea. Yeah, it was me. <laughs> I let him do it because I'm like, hey, he's a kid. I grew up playing. Uh, how many of y'all remember Contra back from the first Nintendo system? You guys, anybody as old as me? There's three of us in here. Four of us. Come on. Do I have five? I got five. <laughs> uh, we grew up playing those and uh, super cool history behind that video game, by the way, if you want to check it out, you know. But, but I'm like, hey, every little boy plays a game like this. So I let my son play uh, Fortnite, and I'm, I, he was playing with his friends at night, and I'm walking by, and, and I thought it was just him and his buddies, but any of their buddies could let someone else in the room. And I walk by, and there's a guy that's got a voice that sounds like he's been drinking bourbon and smoking cigars for 30 years, and I hear, like, foul four-letter language coming out of my son's room. And he's playing not just with my son, but some of your sons, by the way, in the room, because they were all running mates at the time. And I heard it, and I said, listen, we're done playing Fortnite. Who is this guy? Well, that's Uncle So-and-so. I said, I don't know who Uncle So-and-so is. We're turning this off. We're not playing this game anymore. Shut it down. And we shut it down. And I watched my son begin to detox like a heroin addict, shaking, trembling, sweating. I mean, it had its claws in him at another level. So much that I'm asleep in my bedroom. I'm just letting you know, I'm not throwing him under the bus. He's 10, he'll forgive me by the time he's 20 about telling this story. But he he comes into my room to steal my phone when I'm asleep so he can get back on and play more Fortnite. And when I wake up, he makes up a story to cover him coming into my room. And I go back to sleep. I don't know what it was. He snuck in again. He so wants to play the game. The game is so addictive and so powerful. It's, it's proven now clinically. That thing was designed to addict, attract, and to trap young minds. Listen, the people creating the content For us, for our children, for our sons and our daughters, they are not our friends. Have you recognized that the content creators in the world are not your friends just yet? Yes. Why do you think they give you 
streaming Netflix where you can watch one episode after the next, after the next, after the next. Then it pushes you to the next show so you can watch it again and again and again. They are lulling the masses asleep so they can create whatever kind of world they want. And the church has bought it hook, line, and sinker. We would rather be entertained than be informed or powerful now. I'm telling you, it's time for the church to set some real boundaries. It's time for us to stand up. It's time for us to turn that stuff off and to live a biblical lifestyle. Stop letting them shape shape our, our worldview. Can I get an amen out there? I'm telling you, I think about a generation that's not raised by parents or raised by faces, but raised by glass, right? Where are we going? Dehumanized, number one. Faces are covered all day, about every day. Not looking at other people. Not talking face to face, but looking at a screen. I'm telling you, the church better wake up. We're the people that need to lead. We need to set the boundaries. Absolutely. I, I want to say, uh, I want us to go through one more very quick in the next five minutes. It's the last point today, and it's called celebration. It's a big part of our family, um, uh, really a focus of our family. The Bible says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Right now, more than ever before, our families need to celebrate. I know everyone's saying, don't get together, don't have a celebration, don't, don't be too close to one another, don't breathe on each other, don't have sex without two masks on, don't, I mean, there's so many things that we are being directed to do, and it's like, wow, what is happening? So the first thing I do when my kids get in my car is if they have been at school, I say, take that face diaper off of your face. And I make them pull it down, and then I say, now everyone smile, smile at me. I'm trying to get them to engage with their faces because what we're losing is a generation of people who know how to non-verbally communicate joy and happiness and acceptance and love, and they're not learning to, to communicate with each other in the ways that we learn to communicate with each other. How do you know that a kid in your school likes you if they can't even grin at you while they walk down the hallway? I mean, all the joy in our schools is being shifted out of this under the guise of we're keeping our family and our neighbors safe. And I'm not arguing the mask thing. If someone wants to wear a mask, I think it's fantastic. But we cannot lose. We cannot lose the joy of our salvation in the midst of this. The other day, a man came by my daughter in the grocery store. He ran over her foot, a grown man, ran over a 14-year-old's foot, and he did not say, I'm so sorry, honey. He said, move. Now, our generation has gone to a whole nother level of anger, hatred, and not being a good person whenever you are running over children and the only word you have afterward is move. We have to re-engage celebration in our lives. However that looks for you, it's important. Life is no fun without a party. Now, I know party and fun aren't everything, but they are something. You yeah, will lose are. hope unless you had believed that you would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. We are experiencing an epidemic of depression and clinical depression amongst our young people, especially our young girls. We have to lift our people out of depression and lift them into a place of joy. Whatever it takes in our family, we have to do it. We just stop sometimes 
speakers, turn on music, and have a dance party because no one can be sad while a dance party is had. And so if there's too much attitude, too much sadness, too much all of that going on, we bust it up with a little joy and a little celebration. If you have one thing, an, an A roll, an A honor roll student, celebrate it. If you have a birthday, celebrate it. If it's just Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day, celebrate it with your kids. Let them have fun. Enjoy the life that God has given to them. The Bible says this, clap your hands, all you nations, and shout unto God with cries of joy. You see, God knows that we're talking to him when we're crying out with a joy of who he is. Hopping from one goal to the next does not produce happiness. A project will never produce happiness. Now, I know all you choleric personalities out there disagree with that because every time you finish a project and something gets organized, joy juices just flow through your body. But for the majority of the people in the world, a project will never produce happiness. Relationship produces happiness. Hugs produce happiness. When my kids come in from school and they can't get it together and it's been a rough day, I hold them. Even when they don't want to be held, I hug them for at least 20 seconds because 20 seconds of being hugged releases happy juices to your brain that you can get no other way. And so they say, mom, quit. And they're squirming. And I say, not yet. Your 20 second serotonin hug is coming at you. And they're saying, mom, please stop touching me right now. I want to go to my room and be mad. I say, too bad. We're going to celebrate the joy of our salvation. You're going to get a little joy in your life. And I hug them. If I just notice that my kids are a little bit down, we'll do it. When dad comes in and he's had a long day past you, the whole family gathers around and we embrace him. And he's like, guys, leave me alone. We say, we're not going to do it. He says, get off of me. They say, no, I've trained my kids to just get in your space. Whenever this is happening, you say, sometimes I need to be left alone. No, you need to be hugged. That's what you need. So that's what we do in our house. We just go ahead. You may handle it another way in your house and that's fine. Everybody, every family's different and they may need a few minutes to be alone before you do that. But I'm just telling you today that celebration is something that we have stripped from our nation this year. It is affecting our marriages. It is affecting our families. It is affecting our kids, our attitudes. It is affecting our children's grades. It is affecting our mental health. It is affecting our physical health. And if we know the God that we serve, we cannot skip celebrations. For he set in order many, many feasts to celebrate his goodness so that we would have a chance to tell our kids the stories of God's goodness. God meant for our families to have times of celebration often so that we would never forget how good our God is. Do you agree with that today? Anybody Amen. understand what I'm talking about today? Amen. Well, come on, let's stand up on our feet. Come on, Let, let's give God one more hand clap at every campus right now. Celebrate him for one second. Come on, let's really clap your hands, all ye people. Come on, clap your hands, all ye people. Clap your hands, all ye people. Come on, clap your hands, all ye people. Now somebody shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Yeah. You celebrate. Have a good time. You, you know, the Bible says a merry heart does good like a medicine. Uh, I was talking to Ryan Dobson, James Dobson's son, this last week. And he told me one of the stats are that one-third of Americans are now officially clinically depressed. 
Now, of course, we got there. How did we get there? Well, we isolated ourselves. We separated ourselves. We quarantined. We heard bad news. We did all of that. And I'm not getting on to people that have real medical conditions or you work with people with real medical conditions. By all means, take precautions. But that's your decision. Placing these decisions on humanity as a whole, all it does is suck the life out of them. And if we walk around for the rest of our life living not to die, come on, the high cost of living is potentially dying. And I intend to have a good time as long as I'm here. Can I get an amen out there? I intend to smile. I intend to laugh. I intend to shake hands. I intend to give high fives. I intend to go where I want and do what I want because that's what we're here to do. I mean, within the guides of the law of God, amen? Um, I believe this. The Bible says, happy is he whose God is the Lord. So I'm not happy because I feel happy or the day's perfect. I'm happy because Jesus is my Lord. Therefore, I think I can get up and smile by faith regardless of what I feel like. I am happy. Come on, somebody say, I'm happy. Let's say it again. I am happy. Say, I'm joy-filled. I have the fruit of the Spirit.